Welcome to the Business Legends Podcast, where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can learn from their mistakes, pump up your inspiration, and grow your bottom line. I'm the host of the show, Reese Arlen, along with <gasps> no CEO of Business Marketing Solutions Group today. Mr. Christian is sick, but don't worry, he has he doesn't have the coronavirus from what I understand. We are also accompanied by the best videographer on the face of the earth, David Woodruff with Genesis Film TV. Make sure to show him some love. And today, our guest is Mr. Mitch Perguson with Stitched by Mitch, a.k.a. Chonky Boy Taylor. How you doing today? <laughs> I'm feeling extra chonk today. Extra chonk. A very chonky day. Yeah. And I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Thank you for joining. So, I have to ask you something incredibly important, and it will just set the tone for the entire show. Cam Newton's fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Do we give it two thumbs up or two thumbs down? So, I'll say this about Cam. Uh, I think... More often than not, his outfits that are great don't get talked about. Sure. And then his outfits that are outlandish are the ones that only people remember. Yeah. So I love Cam's style. Yeah. I respect that he tries a lot of different things. Uh, I don't agree with everything that he tries, but I think he gets too much hate, and I think a ton of his outfits are sick. And those don't get talked about enough. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give it two thumbs up and then just kind of say like, yeah, like I don't like the babushka like headband yeah. thing, but like yeah. some of his suit choices and style choices are, are awesome. And yeah, maybe, get, those, maybe he needs th- to take a look at some of those. Those, <laughs> those, should get, those should get talked about more than just the crazy outfits because sure. he does it always just we're crazy. Yeah, that was that was the correct answer, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we can continue on with the cast. He uh, I, The one that just that just drives me insane was where he went into like a Walmart or something and he was mm-hmm. wearing like overalls and nothing else. Like he looked like Huckleberry Finn or something <laughs> like that. But um, I saw an interview with him where he was like, he was like, sometimes I'd be looking at what I, at what I wore and I'm like, I wore that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but he's taking chances. I think he acknowledges it. I think so many athletes. Um, so I'll say this about cam. I like Cam's sense of style uh, better than a lot of NBA players. Sure. I think some NBA players will put on a trash bag and they'll think that it's some kind of high fashion thing because their mental capacity to understand fashion and style is way beyond anyone that watches them. And right. at that point, I think it gets egotistical. And I just, Crazy. I just say, there's nothing functional or logical about what you're wearing, but yeah. you're calling it high fashion. Yeah. So that's that's when that kind of stuff bothers me. What What do you think is the, I don't even know if you can come up with this on the dot, but what do you think the craziest outfit that you've ever seen was? Or does anything pop into your mind as something that shouldn't have happened? Made me laugh. I think it was two or three years ago. Russell Westbrook wore like a like a traffic, like conductor outfit. Oh like, God! <laughs> like he literally wore like a vest with like you know metallic on it that was like either bright orange yeah. or bright yellow. And it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, like what is like, this all about? If you're if you're if you're saying that you're directing traffic, like you're directing the team or whatever, like haha, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like good Halloween costume. Yeah. Yeah. But you make the metaphor, but yeah. it's still stupid outfit. And and at the same time, Cam and Russell are similar in the sense that you know they they both wear stuff that's kind of wild. But um, that was pretty funny. Uh, I there was one recent one with um, he got roasted. Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. He wore like a see through shirt and dress. It looked like something Cher would wear. Yeah. And there's like a video of the Lakers players just like roasting him. Roasting him. Just and so that was that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's a lot of stuff out there that you just kind of laugh at. Uh, I think my least favorite trend um, is a dark suit that's just a short suit. Okay. Uh, I hated the... Wearing high water style. I, I hated the Tom Brown yep. uh, shorts with, 
you know, high socks and boots that LeBron and the Cavs wore in the yeah. finals two years ago. If you're going to do a short suit, it's got to be like, like kind of Miami-ish, like yeah, yeah. all white, clean white sneakers, no socks. It just looks, you look ridiculous if you wear shorts with high socks and boots. It looks like you're wearing underwear. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, it's I don't like that look. Very but, silly. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, this has been, oh my God, I don't know, eight years ago maybe, but Lady Gaga wore like a meat dress to the Grammys. I do. Yeah. And I also remember the head of Gucci, um, Ali, Alessandro, he wore a um, similar outfit, and uh, I'm not going to say what part he looked like, but he looked like a big... Uh, you <laughs> phallic, know, phallic object. <laughs> yes, he looked like a big object that is not... Uh, it's, a, it's a body part. Yeah. And uh, I just started laughing, and he wore it to the Met Gala, and I just was like, this is not... This I don't yeah. come on man. So here's an interesting question for you along along the side of the meat dresses and the and the see through dress the see through Lakers dresses and whatnot. Do you think that outfits like this are are a requirement to push the envelope with fashion, or do you think it's just things that shouldn't have existed to begin with? I think there has to be extremes on both sides. Okay. So just like politics, uh, just like business, just like innovation. There has to be something that makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, pushes because, the envelope a little bit. Yeah, because maybe that idea, at the end of the day, I don't like that specific outfit, mm -hmm. but maybe that idea sparks a creative mind that's more in the middle sure. and just slightly alters their very basic conservative outfit. Yeah. So I think there has to be extremes and everything on both sides. There has to be hyper-conservative. There has to be hyper-ridiculous, and I understand that. Yeah. Um, but I think... There's a couple, you know, principles when it comes to dressing, mm -hmm. and you can still get crazy while remaining within those principles. So it's crazy, but you're like, that's crazy. I wouldn't do it, but that, I can see how that makes sense. Yeah, I like staying in that realm. I, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I've seen a huge shift lately towards like body painting stuff. Yep. And I actually saw where um, they were they were tempting the same principle on men. <laughs> and uh, not to not to focus on phallic objects or anything, but it's a little bit more difficult to cover up certain pieces and parts of oh, men yeah. than it is with women and such, <laughs> you know. But I mean, more power to them, I say. Yeah, uh, it's I, a, I guess let whatever you have hang. Yeah, <laughs> let the good times roll, if yeah, you will. I uh, suppose so. That's interesting. <laughs> so uh, you know, with business legends, we speak to people that are upcoming entrepreneurs sometimes, or sometimes they're established entrepreneurs, and. One of the reasons I was excited to have you on the show is because I'd love for you to speak your mind, speak your piece about the importance, not necessarily of fashion, but of wearing proper attire in, in certain circumstances. Can you address that a little bit? Yeah, I think you have to dress. Uh, I would say I don't think dressing for the job you like are trying to get. Mm -hmm. I would you know slightly dress better for the job that you eventually want to get. So... Uh, you know, I want to work with celebrities. I want to work with athletes. I want to work with very high functional and successful businessmen. So I can't just wear a Navy suit all the time. Right. Even if it's perfect fitting, it looks awesome. It's cool. I have to wear stuff that stretches the envelope back in that realm of stretching it, but also being functional mm -hmm. and attracting, you know, a certain type of person. It's the same thing when you're, you know, trying to work in a tech startup. If you're trying to work you know, in, in car sales, if you're trying to be a chef, like I would say just dress slightly better than everybody else, mm -hmm. you know, and think about that and think about what that means. Uh, because whether people admit it or not, the first time you see something, someone, you're going to look at what they wear. 
Definitely. And you're going to have, you know, just a, you know, a thought about what they're wearing, how it goes with them. Does mm -hmm. that vibe with their personality? When you see them wear that, what do you think of that person? So your mind does all these pre, you know, preconceived notions based on appearance, right? Uh, whether people admit it or not and people that don't admit it, you're, you're illogical. You're, you're not telling the truth. So I tell people always try to dress for the job you eventually want and mm -hmm. the, the person you eventually want to be. Yeah. When you look at your life backwards, what are you going to have? You're going to have pictures, right? Sure. That's what your legacy is going to be pictures and memories. So think about the type of legacy you want to leave people that are beyond you and behind you. Because when they have pictures of you, that's what they're going to think. Yeah. It almost establishes a standard. Too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, around our office, I, I may dress a little bit lackadaisically sometimes. I'm, I'm notorious for wearing jeans. It's just a part of my personality, I think. But I'm still getting stuff done, you mm -hmm. know. And, and it's quite simple. But I, I usually wear jeans and like a polo. Mm -hmm. Like simple, but at the same time, I'm not going to have any problems getting in anywhere or anything like that. Um, keeping beyond even what you wear is also your appearance, the way that you do your hair, the way that you, the way that you, uh, maintain and manscape and groom yourself and 100%. stuff like that. You know, um, we had a, we had a guest, I think it was Scott Jennings, which was our very first guest for the show. But one of his focal pieces of advice for an upcoming entrepreneur is he said that even if you're working from home, set a time to get up, set a time that you're going to start working and put on your work clothes, mm -hmm. you know, because then, you know, it's time to work. Yep. And I think it's a really powerful thing in itself is having the discipline to, you know, if you were working from a home office, could you get away with, with wearing a tank top and sweatpants or something? Definitely. Nobody's going to see you, but it doesn't put you in the same frame of mind with, with work. Uh, we had another guest, uh, Yazan. Yazan owns the uh, Fast Signs off of Independence in Charlotte, and they do, uh, it's kind of difficult to explain, but primarily their business is actually matching their, the brand of a business with their environment, with their location. So they create that corporate culture. And one of the things he's big on is if, you know, if your business marketing solutions group or whatever, you have business marketing solutions group signage behind you, even though nobody sees it, or, you know, a pin that says that, or a polo that says that, mm -hmm. or, or whatever, just so that you know what environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. So it, it's quite interesting how all these things combine to create a cultural effect on you. Um, yeah. especially what you wear, especially with the environment that you're in and, and such. Well, I think the polo and jeans thing is a very approachable outfit. Yeah. Like that's something that I would wear to a tailgate. Mm -hmm. What am I doing at a tailgate? Yeah. I'm talking to people. I'm seeing that guy. I want to talk to him or, you know, starting a conversation. Sure. Your, your life is predicated on, you know, having conversations, whether it's the podcast or getting new business. So yeah. if you're approachable, but like, cl like clean, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Whereas when I'm wearing like, you know, a casual outfit, like I am today, I think I'm a pretty approachable guy, mm -hmm. but when I'm wearing like a high end suit, I only want really to be approached by people with supreme confidence because only people with and supreme money for that matter. Yeah. You know, to get yeah. The big deal. Yeah. Sure. And only those type of people are going to wear the outfits that I want to suggest. Yeah. You know, I, if, if, you know, I, if someone's not confident, um, or not as confident, they probably won't, you know, wear something that like gets me excited. Sure. Now, do I help people's confidence? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like that's my goal. I yeah. want to increase confidence no matter who you are, but my perfect client is already confident enough to listen to what I am going to tell them to wear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and take in your suggestions at yeah. least be open-minded enough. 
Speaking of that, do you, do you ever have issues with that where somebody really combats your ideals or anything like that? And hundred percent, you know, I have, you know, a lot of athletes I work with are very concerned with their image as they should be because that's their brand. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I'll make certain suggestions back and forth of, you know, what goes with this, what goes with that. But I think at the end of the day, it's every time I work with someone, I interview them and basically get an understanding of things they're comfortable with from a color perspective, a cut perspective, how risky on a scale of one to 10, like mm -hmm. maybe they're a six and I might stretch them to a seven. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, understanding your client and the risks that are okay with them. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to put, uh, you know, McCaffrey or Kittle in like a pink purple suit. Yeah. You know, that, a wild that, situation. Yeah, yeah. That, that has crazy stuff on the inside or outside because they don't like that color. Yeah. You know, whereas I might put them on a really cool black suit with a couple different, you know, tweaks to it that make it unique. Yeah. Because like that's a color they like. So, um, yeah, I think it's all just about understanding who you're working with. Sure. Do you find so there's obviously huge paradigms and differences between men's and women's fashions. Mm -hmm. um, do you find it particularly more difficult or less difficult to work with men versus women or vice versa? Women are more specific about fit and they like cleaner cuts. Okay. Uh, they don't wear as crazy unless you're talking about floral or animal prints. Okay. Um, at the same time, uh, they will wear oversized blazers and stuff like that. So, like, the fit thing is the most important thing to them. Yeah. Um, which is hard because women are very particular, all built very differently. Yeah, for sure. Whereas, like, most guys, if someone's six foot 180, mm -hmm. uh, I can guess within, you know, a quarter to a half inch every single size they are. Wow. To be honest. Uh, it's just such a standard Comes from experience. Yeah. You know. It's just a standard size. So, uh, you know, whereas a woman who's five, eight, one twenty five, you know, there's probably 10,000 different shapes of what she could possibly sure. be. Maybe she's top heavy. Maybe she's bottom heavy. Maybe she's, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I find women are more specific about fit. Men are more specific about just like clean, yeah. like clean cut. And, um, then, it, you know, it kind of varies per industry, but um, yeah, women are definitely harder to please. Yeah, they're they're very they're much more specific. Yeah, I I can imagine that too. That it's just such an excellent point is that I I just feel and I don't know if there's any logical basis behind this, but I just feel like you take you know dimensions like weight and height, which is just pretty standard measurement stuff, and for the most part, men are cut in a certain way, whereas women might be you know like you said like you know five two one twenty, and that could mean hundred thousand different different shapes and sizes and stuff and configurations so um comparing that to what colors they want to wear what prints what everything you know um I, I imagine that just creates a monster headache for you in the long term with everything yeah and um women's process takes much longer too sure so like a man like i'll measure him or the fabric if the details done it'll come in have a first fitting expect tweaks on the first fitting and then it's locked in mm-hmm a woman, there's probably three or four fittings before she's happy. Yeah. And it could be perfect, but she wants it a quarter inch shorter. Yeah. In the sleeve and pant, and she's obsessed with that. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, just a lot of different nitpicky things you yeah. learn as you go along. 100%. But at the same time, it, you know, if you continue to figure out women, uh, that's a huge market. Mm -hmm. And women love fashion, obviously. Yeah. You know, they tell 90% nine, of my clients, girlfriends or wives, tell them mm -hmm. what to wear. Right. So, and they completely ignore my advice, which, oh, is, no. which is fine. So I <laughs> yeah. try to say like, as long hey, as buying stuff yeah, from you. Yeah, I'm like, hey, let's, let's work together. So like Kittle's wife, Claire, who's awesome, is con like, we're constantly talking about ideas. So it's mm -hmm. fun. Like, you know, it's like, cool. I like that. Um, but, you know, 
yeah, I think as women are starting to make more money and, you know, be more confident in the workplace and what they're wearing, uh, you know, if I didn't focus on them, I'd be an idiot. Plus yeah. women are also way more beautiful than men. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, also more fun from that perspective. Definitely. Definitely. I remember, um, when I, I uh, bought and sold classic cars for, for a brief period of time. And the first thing, there's two things that, that just strike me as really interesting that you learn when you're learning how to sell cars. The first thing is that, well, just give me a guess. What percentage of people, even with research the way that exists these days, where you can look up a car and look up the car that you, that you like or whatever, what percentage of people that buy a car when they go to a lot leave with the car that they research? What percentage do you think? 10%. 10%. Pretty close. So 78% of people that go to a car lot with a car in mind end up with a different car. Really? So it, it's it's pretty interesting. Because, yeah, you got to see it. Yeah, you got to see it. You got to feel it, you know? I think you get paranoid, too. Just like there could be night. Like I'm looking at cars right now, and there's one car I'm looking at that's seven grand below its market value. So you're thinking, what's wrong with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I messaged the dealer. I was like, there's no way. But it's also certified pre-owned. Yeah. So you're like, all right, you know, what's the catch? Yeah, what's going and on? so I'm I'm going to test drive it, and they have two other cars that are similar. I'm kind of just like, even though it's seven grand less, like yeah. I know I'm about to buy something if I bought it. Yeah, that I would it'd be a nightmare, even though it's certified pre-owned. You right, know, it's got a warranty with it. So. For sure, there's something to be said. Uh, something that we were discussing before the cast was, uh, people will pay for how they want to feel too. Yeah, you know, and so you know, I always think about people that buy. We're here in 2020, so. You know, they buy the 2021 model. It's the exact same car for 15 grand more or yep. whatever. But it gives them a, a level of confidence and maybe superiority and maybe, you know, elitism or whatever that they literally bought because, you know, the, the 2020 model was the exact same. Oh, you know? yeah. So that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting psychological effect on on people's purchasing power and such, you know. When it's a large purchase, I think the majority of people assume that the the worst thing could happen. Yeah. And they play that situation through their head. Yeah. And they convince themselves that the peace of mind from paying more is way worth paying more yeah. than not having that peace of mind, even if nothing happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, Christian, who uh, is absent today, he was he was talking about his wife. And we were talking about um, different buyer profiles, right? Mm -hmm. Different people when they're willing to invest in different things, so to speak. And, for example, his wife is the type of, buyer or customer profile that, you know, if she has an ache or a pain, she'll go straight to the chiropractor. Yeah. You know, she won't, she won't do any self-research. She won't yeah. do any stretching. She just goes straight she to the chiropractor. She doesn't want to think about it. No, she doesn't want to think of it. She'll literally pay for her peace of mind. And she's proud to tell you that too. You know, I mean, I'm not making fun of Kayla or anything. It's just the way that she is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's quite interesting because some people are willing to pay for peace of mind in that realm. Whereas on the other side of the spectrum, probably somebody that's more like me is I'll do my research, I'll, I'll look at different cars and I'll think about it and I'll, I'll actually look at the car and think about if anything's wrong with it and, you know, whatever else comes to, comes to mind. And the peace of mind for me comes from having done proper research or, you know, proper informational uh, diagnostics on, on whatever's up with this vehicle, for example, yeah. or this suit or you know this pair of jeans or, or whatever else type of thing yeah 100 so, yeah it creates you pay for peace of mind yeah it creates a, a really interesting interesting so um what one of the things uh, that i also want to talk to you about is let's say you know speaking to the new entrepreneur speaking for somebody that's creating a corporate culture creating an office space and we'll just go with an office space to keep it simple 
Um, let's say you're, I was going to say an accounting firm, but that, that brings in a lot of like white collar type stuff where maybe you need to wear button ups and such. But, you know, let, let's just say it's, a, it's an office space of sorts. You're providing a service and it doesn't matter what that service is. Maybe you're a, a, a boat repair shop or, or whatever else type of thing. What, what types of steps do you think these types of people need to take in order to create like a uniform for, for their employees? So I think there's two types of uniforms. One's environment and two is what you wear. Okay. So my environment, I, I like throwing around a lot of ideas. You know, um, I have to keep my place clean. Mm-hmm. So I have a cleaning lady comes in like once every week or so and just puts all my shit away, keeps everything super clean, organized. Mm-hmm. I also have to have open space. I cannot be in a cookie cutter environment. I have to have, so I have a loft. Yeah. Um, I was very intentional with that. And then I have to have certain places where I, it's like, you know, I have a stand up desk. If I need to get a bit busy work done, mm-hmm. I know that it's like, okay, cool. I, if I'm if boring work, I have to stand up for it. Cause yeah. if I sit down, I'll fall asleep. Yeah. And then if I'm doing creative work, I want to sit down and I want to look out. Like I want to look out in the sky. I want to see, you know, color. I want to see shape. I want to, I have exposed brick in my spot. So, um, so to answer your question, you need to create an environment based on how you best work. Okay. I best work on boring stuff when I'm standing up. So that's, I, so, that's so interesting. So I, I feel like you've given this a great deal of thought. Like, oh, you like, have to. You have to yeah. be intentional about it. I think intentionality in the workplace with what you wear, what's at your desk, what's on the wall, you know, everything is, it is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people lose sight of that. So, uh, first of all, dress your office uh, specifically with how people best work. Okay. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, not all college degrees are the same. Yeah. And it's because certain people became more obsessed with learning about some, something. Everyone should be obsessed with learning how they best work. Yeah. And so I think certain offices need to have open space, like a co-working space mm-hmm. for people, not social people, but people that are better at talking or working with people. Yeah. And then they need also to have, you know, offices that are closed off with people that are isolated, that work yeah. best by themselves. That's, that's so interesting. You're saying that. So when, when Christian and I, uh, we, we must've toured through, I don't know, 30 offices or something, just trying to find the right space for us. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm a person I can get, I can get distracted very easily. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, like if I, if I need to put pen to paper or, you know, do builds or whatever else, I kind of want to want to either be playing music. that's not going to distract me yeah. or have a door closed and people not bothering me because yeah. every, every time somebody comes in, comes in the office and, and interrupts you or whatever, it interrupts my train of thought. Christian's the exact opposite of that. There would, there'd be, he, he wouldn't have any happier circumstance than if, you know, everybody in our office was all in one combined mm-hmm. thing, you know. Now, the other, the other piece of this is what, I, what I've noticed is just because him and I have been friends for so long, of yeah. course, you know, if we're in the same room and he's on a sales call, he might end up being like, hey, Reese, what do you think about the, you know, or whatever, and yeah. distract me too. So I needed a closed door. And that was yeah. one of the things that was really important for me. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, I mean, you just you, so it's, everything's environment-based. It's your personal environment and then your work environment. So, yeah. uh, you know, figure out certain spots of your work spot, how you're standing, what you're wearing, when you want to get work done. Same spot with how you want to be creative, business development, whiteboard that's probably a you know a good group discussion mm-hmm. maybe it's good you get your ideas out so that you're prepared for the group discussion but um you know if, if you're opening an office understand how people work best sure understand what outfit they take work seriously in and then also take creativity seriously in because that's two 
parts of a business that have to be equally, you know, equal equilibrium. Yeah. You got to be creative and innovative of how you're getting clients, producing results, all that kind of stuff, stretching the envelope. And then you've just, at the end of the day, you've got to do stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. The boring work, which yeah. I think everyone has to do. So, of course, you know, I have an outfit for when I'm doing casual work and just meeting with people. I have an outfit for when I'm doing boring work. And it's like maybe not super comfortable, so I want to get it done fast. Yeah. Almost pushes me to do it faster. I'm standing. Um, so, yeah, I think just understanding who you are and how each person in their office operates is key to making those decisions. Key to making. That's, that's really interesting to think about. I, I don't know if, if I ever consciously thought about that, but I feel like I maybe subconsciously did, you mm -hmm. know, uh, even from the way that we organized. Another thing is that Christian's office is the furthest away from mine. Yeah. We did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. You know, or at least maybe I did. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, you want to you wanna hang out? No, I want to get my shit done. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Um, do you think that moving forward, especially with workplace fashion, do you think that you're going to see more or less people that are wearing, like, logo and embedded shirts and stuff? I think higher-end brands um, that are work-related are less important now. Okay. So um, – Probably four of the top brands in the world, in my opinion, from a high-end perspective. You got Hermes, um, you know, you've got uh, Brioni, you've got Keaton that makes suits, women's suits, men's mm -hmm. suits, all high-end, very high-end well. And you got Brunella Cuccinelli, like they're all really nice brands. No millennials know who any of those brands are. Right. Hermes, yes, because maybe their mom has an Hermes scarf or whatever, their mm -hmm. dad has an Hermes tie. Those brands no one cares about. And then same with Gucci, unless it's like a Gucci loafer, or like Gucci sandals. All Gucci that people care about is like casual Gucci. Like yeah. The belt, the sandals, the loafers. Right. Uh, no one wears like a Gucci suit anymore. Yeah. So. Um, Do you think they've priced themselves kind of out of that? Because you can get a Gucci belt for, you know, a couple hundred bucks, but a Gucci suit's going to run you 10K. I think the top brands have done a bad job at becoming relatable to newer purchasers mm -hmm. and getting in front of those people, which they might have the money, they might spend it if Gucci just did a better job. Yeah. Um, I think the lower end brands have done a better job of being relatable. Yeah, exposing them to people. People are gonna buy, whether it's buying a ticket to a comedy show, buying a ticket to a sporting event, buying a suit, buying a shirt, buying a shoe, they're gonna buy purchases that they can relate to. Yeah. That makes Top sense. brands have not stayed relatable yeah. to the to the consumer, and maybe they don't want to. That's what I was about to ask. But I think they're also losing sight of like the younger people. Yeah. Do you think that uh, it's just completely your opinion, I suppose? But you know, a lower end brand, um, we'll we'll use like a like a quantity brand, like a Nike. Nike's not not lower end, but mm -hmm. you know, it's sporting apparel and stuff that anybody it, you can catch anybody in a Nike shirt or Nike mm -hmm. shoes or whatever. Their their success is based on quantity. You know, mm -hmm. they have to sell millions and millions of units as opposed to Gucci might only have to sell, you know, 50 suits and they're making the same money out yeah. of it, basically. I know I'm exaggerating. Yeah. But, um, do you think that might be a part of the reason, too? I think top brands have gotten complacent with inspiring, with okay. inspiration. And I think with so many different offerings nowadays, from lower-end suiting to middle suiting to higher-end suiting... I mean, you're, if you, if I'm going to say suiting and we're going to have 10 advertisements on our Instagram in the next 10 minutes from mm -hmm. like lower end, higher end, whatever. Sure. So there's so much information coming everywhere. Um, I think 
the brands that are doing the best job are inspiring. Mm-hmm. Like, so Nike has kind of changed their brand with Adidas. Do you remember the Adidas commercial that came yeah. out? It was like top athletes in the world. It was like Lionel Messi, like James Harden. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't want to say Neymar. It might have been Neymar, but it was like the top creatives and athletes. Right. So it got all these creative people like, oh, I relate to that. Yeah. Because I like that's my favorite painter that yep. was just in that commercial. Mm-hmm. Or that was my favorite writer or author or actor or like skateboarder. It's like, ah, oh, I didn't think about that. I thought yeah. Adidas was just like, you know, athletics, like running basketball, soccer, football. Sure. So they became relatable mm-hmm. and then Adidas like blew up. Like they stole a lot of designers from Nike. So um, they, they, Adidas, it seems like, correct me if I'm mistaken, but it seems like they, they kind of, when they, when they hit the tracksuit stuff, it seems like that would that just became a thing like mm-hmm. whenever i think about like a tracksuit i immediately think about it, the, that adidas yeah the double stripe on yep. the side pants yep. yeah um yeah i just think you know i think to answer your question top brands have gotten complacent with their brand because mm-hmm. it is such a name brand they thought that it wouldn't matter right and they did not invest enough in making their brand relatable which they will say they don't want to. They only want kings, quote unquote. Yeah. But they're not even being relatable to the kings now. Like I yeah. have guys, like I had a guy the other day, he hit me up from New Jersey, does very well. He says, hey, I have three Gucci suits. I don't like them. Wow. And it's just like, so he's like, I don't even know why I bought them. He's like, I bought them for the name brand, yeah. but now I don't like them. Yeah. So like the product didn't come up. Mm-hmm. And here's an interesting story. So a lot of my dress shoes are made in Spain. Okay. When you think of dress shoes, the nicest ones in the world, usually you think of Italy. Italy, yep. yeah. You think of Italy, you're like, okay, cool, it's the nicest shoe. I went by a cobbler the other day, and I said, it was a sample of this new shoe I'm making. And I said, hey, what do you think of this shoe? And he was very impressed. And I was like, great. You know, what's price point you'd think I'd pay for this? He said $600. I said, great. I'm selling it for less than that. And he said, well, you could probably sell it more, but here's what I'll tell you. I know it's not from Italy. And he said, I bet this is from Spain. Wow. I said, really? And he's like, yeah, this is what's happening. Italy, you know, me and you both said that. Right. You know, um, we understood. He nodded his head. He's like, yeah, Italy. Mm-hmm. So Italy has long been, the, you know, known the best producer of high-end dress shoes. shoes yep. And so they've, they've stayed on that course for like the last 20, 30 years. And instead of enhancing their quality and keeping up to par, they've made better margin on lower quality, but now it's catching up to them. Interesting. And so more shoes, like Taft is a shoe company that's yep. great. Yep. Uh, my I have shoes, Taft, by the way. <laughs> Taft, Taft's amazing. Yep. Magnani, which is an upcoming brand. They're in Nordstrom now, very very pretty burnished shoes. They're all made in Spain. Interesting. They're not made in Italy. So yeah. I think that is very telling. And, um, you know, you're starting to see Italy lose its market share because they've sacrificed quality uh, because of their name, brand, quote, yeah. unquote, their country. So um, not to say there still aren't amazing shoes that come from Italy, like the super high end. But that kind of middle to higher end market, uh, Spain's taking it over because their shoes are just better. Yeah, you know, it's really. And once you try something, and yeah. so he told me that he said, he said I like Spanish shoes better than Italian shoes now. The cobbler, yeah. cobbler who had no interest in telling me this or that, yeah, he just, just shot it straight up to me, and I was like, wow. It's amazing that he was able to. You can tell he was a master of his craft because he was able to tell that just by looking at it too. You know, he said from the sewing, the stitching, the you know, the last. You know the the welt everything is like this is a Spanish shoe. Wow! And I was like, I was like, that's pretty cool. You can tell that. That so. is really neat. Um, I feel like I don't, I don't know if if you agree or disagree on this, but you know we get obviously we're in the social media space, mm-hmm. and so I can't tell you how much shit I've bought from Instagram. By the way, you'll you'll appreciate this. I just bought this morning. I swear to God, I bought a. Um, 
it's like a it's called shoe love buy shoe love is what it's called and it's like a little th- it's a product i've been wanting my whole life and it just never existed the way i wanted it to but it's just a little brush that's designed for shoes mm-hmm. like i've always wanted to something clean, to like clean them that. yeah to clean them and so it, it has like its own solution it's safe on every surface or whatever with a thing and i've always used like a rag you know yeah and, yeah and yeah like, and I've always wanted something like that. And I was like, oh, finally, you know, <laughs> something like this out. We could have made millions on this years ago. But. No, it pops stuff like literally you'll, I mean, that'll probably pop up on my Instagram. Oh, in like I guarantee minutes. you're going to think of yeah. it. You see, buy, it's called <laughs> buy shoe love. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just forward you the link so you can go ahead and buy it. That's time. hilarious. But, um, you know, we see all these, all these remarketing ads. I like shoes and stuff. God, yeah. I, I don't even want to admit how many pairs of shoes that I have, but, um, I noticed that it seems like, like Taft, for example, uh, you mentioned that. I bought Taft through Instagram. Mm-hmm. I have a pair of Taft dress shoes. 100% Instagram brand. Yep. And it just, it looked cool. And and the coolness is what eventually got me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, continued exposure to the same uh, the same appearance of it. I was like, God, these look really cool, you know. And I love them, man. I mean, you think about the quality of the, of the shoe and the quality of the product. I mean... You know, I, I really like those a lot. So the packaging, yeah. The fact that something foreign is cool. Yeah. Uh, I think there's like half the people I work with that love the idea that their stuff's made in LA, mm-hmm. and then half the people just want it to be made in Italy. They're like, like, ah, oh, Italy, that's so cool. Like suiting. Yeah. Not shoes, but um, having an appearance that's unique. Yeah. And cool and foreign. You know, there's something about foreign that people just love. Yeah. You know, they 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 um, associate richness with it. Like people want to That is such They want to have a cappuccino point. in Italy. They yeah. want to they want to have pizza in Italy like yeah. they think authentic. That no one thinks anything in American uh, from a high-end perspective yeah. is authentic. Yeah. Cuz it wasn't technically. It was taken from something that's else. That's so that's so interesting. I've never even considered cultural relevance when it comes to products like that, you know, even though you and I both said Italy when we were talking about shoes. And it's like if if I say you know, like a like a lager beer, the country you'd think of is Germany. Germany, yeah, me too. You know, and then uh, let's see if I can do one more here. Uh, if I think of um, oh god, I, well you do one. Can you can you think of anything that's that has cultural significance like that? Cars, yeah. okay, well, sports I, car, sports car. I think of Italy. Italy, yeah, instantly. I like think of Maserati. I Maserati, think, Ferrari. I think of Ferrari, Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Yep. Um, you know, other than that, it's it's either Porsche or German. You know, Ger- yeah. Germany and Porsche. Um, you know, when you think of, uh, like, like scaling, like low quality stuff, but like high margin, yeah. I think of, honestly, I think of China, Yeah. you know, sure. when you think of like, you know, amazing, amazing cheese, amazing yeah. wine, what do you think of? Uh, amazing cheese and wine. I think I would think, oh man, that's tough. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between like France, Italy on that one. Both, both. Yeah. That's, that's my point. Like, yeah. you know, so we tend to think of nicer things in relation to countries. And sure. so I think when you look at buying habits, uh, and I always try to tell people this, there's three, there's three buying habits in terms of a mindset. There's a logical mindset, there's a social mindset, there's a cultural mindset. Every decision we make in life is based on all three of those things. Now they might be balanced in different ways, but you know, you are buying something that looks cool. One, you look at the price, you justify its price by logic. You say mm-hmm. it's made in Spain. Here's you know where you do the price you know check, and you say, okay, what are other shoes made in Spain? Can I find this specific shoe elsewhere? Maybe not. That's why it's slightly more cool. There's the logical side. Yeah. Can I afford this? What do I make? Sure. What would I use it for? You think logically. Then you think socially. 
you think that's a cool shoe. Yeah. You know, how would that make me look socially? And then you think culturally, oh, wow, it's made in Spain. It's a different culture. They are very good craftsmen over there. Let me buy it. Yeah. And you go through this quick process of all three mindsets. And that's, that's justifying your, that's what influences everything. It influences your religion, influences who you date and influences what you buy. So those three things is, you know, it's, it's funny based on your upbringing and kind of the information you intake, how much that influences your life. And it's, it's so interesting because if, you know, if we call spades spades here, if take the cobbler that knew that the, that the shoe that you showed him was Spanish as opposed to Italian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bet he could make a better shoe than both of them. He's American or whatever, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? So it's, it, you know, the, the cultural relevance of it doesn't really have anything to do with anything with yeah. quality. It's just the, the reputation from that culture. So 100%. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. Mitch, we're running out of time. I always, I always like to uh, finish up our podcast by asking a silly question or a fun question, I guess. Um, and here's my silly slash fun question for you. Do you believe in, in wearing the name or wearing the quality and why? I definitely believe in wearing the quality. Um, I think the quality is the best thing a name can say mm-hmm. uh, instead of vice versa. Um, I think quality is when it's a better purchase from you know a consumer standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you really have something that fits, if you have something that lasts long, um, you know it's going to give you more confidence. Uh, it's going to you know make you more excited about that industry specifically. So I think the best thing an industry can do, whether it's visual marketing or accounting, is to be obsessed with their craft Mm -hmm. and inspire other people that are interested in that craft or appreciate that craft. Um, And so yeah, my answer is is quality. Buy and quality. Buy quality. Mitch Perguson, our guest today. Mitch, let's say I got a a humongous whale that wants to spend $100 million on on clothes (laughs) with, with the one and only Mitch. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, stitchedbymitch.com uh, or email stitchedbymitch at gmail.com or you can hit me on Instagram at stitchedbymitch. There's a, there's a, yeah. there's, there's a pattern there. Yeah, I was going to say stitchedbymitch. This is like a commercial where you say it three times just to make sure that everybody gets, gets the message here. 100%. No chonky boy. No chonky boy Taylor. But I will say this. <laughs> yes. For the guys that are looking for a color that is different this summer or spring that will stand out, Bright light blue, like sky blue. Okay. That's actually called Carolina blue for those of us that root in the, for the Yes, correct. in the South. Carolina blue. <laughs> in a suit, a blazer, a slack, a chino. Very like khaki olive. Okay. Olive is in, khaki's out. Interesting. Choose khaki. Or choose olive. Choose olive. Choose okay. olive. Don't choose khaki. No one else will have it. Okay. Everyone else will have khaki. Interesting. And then my last suggestion, bright pastels but in a pattern and mix and match that. Okay. This is spring, summer. Right, right. So this could be pink. This could be light blue, like I mentioned before. Yeah. Could be like a mustard, like canary yellow. Could be, you know, like a, like almost like a lavender, but bright colors. You're speaking my language, obviously. Very, very (laughs) bright right there. It's a neon green, bright colors, olive. And then, um, yeah, I mean, just really focus on, on stuff like that this spring, summer and, Look fresh. Yeah, I think you'll you'll Pick stand. Pick up ladies to the lake. Yep, you'll stand out a little bit differently. Get <laughs> get rid of the classic navy blazer. Yeah, you know, don't get rid of it completely, but don't don't buy that if you're trying to impress someone at a wedding. Get something a little more bold. Yeah, um, and uh, and do mix and match from the pants and jacket perspective. Very good, Mitch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, man. For me, I guess. <laughs> Take care, man.